With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. To week four solo ship, um, Squirrel Patrol, JM the win. Uh, JM, how was your week three? It was good, man. It was a profitable week. I'll always take profit. Uh, move on to the next week. What about you? Another another qualifier win? No, it was a terrible week. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> really frustrating. It was my first really bad like NFL week. I mean, my first like you know negative NFL week, and it was frustrating because we did the show last week, and I was talking about how. I had, you know, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews lineup like the week before with the Miami game. And then I thought like running quarterbacks are going to be like a cheat code all all season. Like people still don't like process how many points you get for like a running quarterback. And if you add that together with a tight end is his favorite target, like that, that's filling two, you know, positions with like a outlier scores if the game goes right. Uh, and so I landed on Kyler Murray and Zach Ertz instead of <laughs> like as my as my plays last week. I should have just stayed with like Lamar Jackson. Instead of Lamar Jackson, and Mar- instead of like the best the best tight end in football. And uh, yeah, yeah. What's interesting too is it was they popped off the week before, and then they had a tough matchup against the Patriots, and so everybody moved off of them. Like they were low owned again. Uh, and and then you know 
it's it's sometimes hard to like think about everything from the outside before the game, but like Lamar Jackson was talking about how much man coverage the Patriots played and they asked him, they said, were you, was that a surprise you or were you expecting that? And he was like, Oh no, we were expecting that. And it's like, well, of course you're expecting that. That's what the Patriots do all the time. And if they're playing man coverage and you've got Lamar Jackson, he's going to run well again. And like Mark Andrews is going to get open again. And, and yeah, I mean, I didn't see that one either. I was on, um, I was on the Eagles, which was fine, but uh, yeah, I didn't get, you know, first place, which is really what we're aiming for. And so it's like, Profits, profit, but then you didn't get first place. You turn the week and try to do something better the next week. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it was it was frustrating because they did the, the Ravens had a tough matchup, and like that's what the kind of thing you should, we should be looking for, and we should be looking for in single entry, right? Because like if it's a great matchup, the ownership is going to be really high, and like what you want is the outstanding player that can do really well in a tough matchup. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And like, so you need the, you need them to have a bad match, right. To have the loaner, the ownership below. Um, it's what I should have been looking for. And it, it was like frustrating. So I, I used that as an example of this is the kind of thing I'm looking for now. And then, then like, but, then, but the week before you used Kyler as your example and then played Lamar Jackson. So you kind of flipped yeah, it around. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. to flip it around the next week. Uh, you know what's funny? When I uh, last season, I did a, a blender and I did a podcast together, and he was saying that like the moment that somebody is like, "Oh, this wide receiver has a tough cornerback matchup," he's like, "That's the moment I want to play that player." Because again, if the like people are overrating matchups, and and if we're able to find that spot, which not to like jump at the slate from a weird angle, but one of the spots this week that's interesting is Devonte Adams, right? Like Pat Sertan is a really good cornerback but they're probably going to play that play him one-on-one. And it's like Devontae Adams can beat anybody one-on-one for a big game. Devontae Adams can beat any secondary for a big game. He's going to be super low owned and he's not the only guy, but yeah, I mean, looking for spots like that just become very interesting. Yeah. Devontae Adams has not been on my radar really this week. I mean, I, I haven't done a ton of preparation until like, until Fridays, uh, but I, I Devontae Adams isn't the guy I've been thinking about, but I've been thinking about Josh Jacobs because he's so cheap. That's actually a great point uh, because I think yeah. people are going to play a lot of Jacobs and, and yeah, like week two, we're like falling over ourselves. Like we did a show where it said, we're looking to get away from chalk, but Devontae Adams is chalk. I can't get away from. And now like week four, people aren't really thinking about him and they're going to load up on like a cheap, like Raiders running back. Cause just cause the, the value is there. It's like, Oh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. T- maybe Devontae, maybe this is Dev- Devontae Adams. Week. And what's interesting too, is people, people are like, oh, well, Josh Jacobs has a horrible matchup and I don't really like him that much as a player, but he's cheap, so I'll play him at, at heavy ownership as opposed to this other guy also has a tough matchup and can break that matchup for like a huge game, but they don't want to play him. But yeah, like the the one of the things too that I think that has sharpened my thinking and talking with you each week is like, I am so value conscious in DFS, but the value of being like, Oh yeah, this guy's a better value, but the the path to first place is letting go of that value consciousness a little bit, right? Like week two playing Cooper Cup over Devontae Adams because he was thirteen hundred more and was therefore seven percent owned when Devontae Adams was fifty percent owned. It's like just letting go of that value consciousness a little bit in certain places can just give you such an edge. Just um, getting these players other people aren't on. Yeah, actually, some the three main sports I play are, are baseball, football, and basketball, and it's it's funny because it's a it's a whole spectrum of you know from like variance and value, uh, and it's really hard to adjust like in October's for me, right? Because I'm I'm playing baseball and the variance is so large, and I I don't care about value at all. And then football starts, and so well, 
value is like somewhat important. Oh, like you, like baseball, you can, you can pair two lineups that are really low priced. Maybe they've got like some bench players hitting in the lineup that day. Like I, I won a GPP on FanDuel this year, like the, the rally, like the $30,000 rally using less than half the salary cap, just because it was like Tigers and Royals. And like, you couldn't, you couldn't use like more than like two thirds of the salary cap, like stacking those two lineups. Football, you generally want to use all your salary, um, but like value is not that important. Um, like, yeah, you want to look at like somebody like Josh Jacobs and say, well, like he's really good value. He's really good point per dollar play. That's important, but like it's, it's not so important that I, I can't like pivot to a, a similar value at like a similar price range, um, even if the point per dollar is not as good. And then basketball is like value is like supremely important. <laughs> like you never want to leave salary on the table. Um, you've got always got to be thinking about like points per dollar, uh, it, you know, except for some rare, rare occasions. Uh, and it, it's, it's interesting. I think football, I'm really starting to see like a, a trend where I, I think I want to spend up for guys at low ownership that can break the slate and where I'm going to differentiate, I think it's just the value plays. Um, and it's interesting because I think we've got some, for the first week, I think this year, I think we're going to have some value plays that are very heavily owned with like, with the um, Jamal Williams, uh, you know, the Detroit running back, like uh, DeAndre Swift's out. And then I think it looks like David Montgomery is going to be out too. And that's going to make Herbert's uh, ownership pretty high. Yeah. And what's interesting too is, you know, Overset and I were talking about this today. Like we've had a lot of the same, like DFS growth kind of slowed for a little while and now it's picking back up, but you've had like a lot of the same people playing for a long time. A lot of the same people talking about it for a long time, but their thoughts haven't necessarily evolved as the NFL has evolved. And so it used to be like, Oh, well the starting running backs out, we play the backup, right? You don't even worry about ownership. You play the backup, but the, the minimum price for running backs used to be three K and they didn't price up running backs aggressively. So we used to get like, $3,300, $3,600 running backs with, with 20 touch rolls. Jamal Williams is priced next to AJ Dillon. The last time that Jamal Williams had this role when DeAndre Swift missed games last year and Jamal Williams was healthy, Jamal Williams played under 50% of the snaps, both games, touched the ball 18 and 19 times. 18 and 19 is great, but that's the same number of touches that we would generally project for AJ Dillon as a double digit favorite against the Patriots, right? And so it's like, we're going to have everybody – Ramondre Stevenson touched the ball 16 times last week. We know the Patriots are going to try to run it with against the, the Packers, who are easier to run on, and with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. And he's like 52, 5,300. Like not the same touch projection, but close. And so I think it's interesting that, that the sharp cash game plays just bleed over into tournaments so much at this point where it's like, yeah, Jamal Williams is sharp, and his range of outcomes is solid. He's going to have some – if we played out this slate over and over again, he'd have some really strong games. But he's not like – the number of times he would bury you for not playing him are pretty low. And the number of times he would disappoint are a lot higher than people are going to give it credit for. And I just think that, especially in single entry where people hold kind of tightly to like, or, well, this is the place where I play Jamal Williams and Khalil Herbert and worry about other things elsewhere. Like makes a lot of sense to go Rashad Penny and Cordero Patterson and spend like the same amount in total salary or a little bit less and have way lower ownership at, at this position with just as much upside. I, I was seeing this exact, Thing earlier today and i was i you know, was reading through the one week season uh re, you know, like the write-ups last night and I actually i thought the key thing in there was about jamal williams and he, I, I i don't know if it was you doing the write-up or if it was your interpretation but it was you know saying people are going to be heavily on jamal williams there's no reason to think that the detroit running back like distribution of, of 
carries is going to be different, right? Like Jamal Williams might just get a small increase in work. He's already priced up a little bit. And like, they've got like this Greg Reynolds. There's somebody they always Greg Reynolds. Yeah. Greg Reynolds is going to play like probably 35% of the snaps and Justin Jackson is going to play like five or 10%. Um, I don't know if like I don't know how I don't know how playable Craig Reynolds is in tournaments, but I've looked at him, right? He's 4,700. He's gonna get eight to ten touches, but there's a game flow there where he ends up seeing 14 to 16 touches and gets the touchdowns. And like in large field play, that's a place where you could go. And in single entry, it's like if I lose because I don't have Jamal Williams, I'm okay with that because I know that over time there would be weeks where I would win because I don't have Jamal Williams, because everybody who's getting their thoughts from like the cash game players is going to feel like, Oh, you have to play Jamal Williams this week. And that's like five years ago, DFS thinking when we could get this guy for 4k or something and we just can't anymore. And you know, you you're paying for this guy and and that's taking up other upside spot. Like I remember one time head chopper said every roster you build, like every player you put on your roster, you can't just think of them in terms of what they add, but also what they take away. Like the moment you're putting Jamal Williams on, that's taking away the chance to do something different with more upside in that spot. And I think that this is an interesting week to just, yeah, be different at running back, be different like almost everywhere. We get up to Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and and Lamar Jackson. Don't worry about ownership on those guys. And then you can kind of be different everywhere else because the field is congregating on plays that to me, it's like they're not as sharp as as the typical chalk plays. Yeah, I was looking at the list of running backs that is cheaper than Jamal Williams. And it's like Ezekiel Elliott, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, A.J. Dillon, like Kareem Hunt. Like, I don't know if Jamal Williams can outscore these guys. Like, for, you know, and we've got him on Rotor Grinders, we've got him projected for 33% ownership. I, I think in large field tournaments, it might not be that high. This hasn't updated for the, the David Montgomery injury. Like in single entry, it'll probably be like 33%. Agreed. And, and yeah, Jamal Williams has a good path to a large number of points, but it's not, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to outscore those guys and he's, he's more expensive than them. Um, go and you, yeah, you, you keep working your way down the list to Rashad Penny. The, I don't know what he did to DraftKings, man. He's the 36th most expensive running back. There's only 12 teams, 12 games. There's 24 teams playing. Why is Rashad Penny the 36th most expensive running back? And like he, he hasn't caught a lot of passes and, um, and Seattle's got another guy. I'm blanking on his name. Kenneth Walker. But, Kenneth but Walker, Penny yeah. played 69% of the snaps last week. Like in today's NFL, that's elite workload, yeah. right? I mean, like even the McCaffreys and Saquons are playing like 80% of the snaps. I mean, they get all the touches, but that's that's pretty crazy. And you think about Amon Ross St. Brown is out. How are the Lions going to play this game? They're not going to just keep – like Amon Ross St. Brown's a cheat code. They've got to play differently in this one. And so this game's going to stay a little bit closer. And we know that Pete Carroll likes to play for the fourth quarter. If you pay attention to this team, he talks about it all the time. If we get to the fourth quarter and the game's close, we'll win it. Like that's his whole strategy. And that was the problem with Russell Wilson is like, if we get to the fourth quarter, like, and his thought was like, we don't need to take a big lead. Let's just get to the fourth quarter and win it there. Like the, this is a spot where Pete Carroll's going to be like, Hey, we can hammer the ball on the ground against this Lions run defense. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot. Cordero Patterson has seen 20-plus touches in two of the last three weeks and a great spot against the Cleveland run defense. He's going to see more than likely he's going to see 20-plus touches again at 6,500, 400 more than Jamal Williams. Yeah, there's a lot of places to go where, again, like I think that people who are watching this at this point, they're clear of what we're saying. We're not saying Jamal Williams is a bad play. He's a perfectly sharp play, but when we're talking about what wins you a tournament, it's tough to see the path to him 
making you the most money if we could play out this slate over and over again. And in single entry, people are going to be even more likely to play him because they just feel like he's the guy you have to play. And it's old DFS thinking. It's it's before they priced up these backup running backs. And, and you know, he's priced like a starter right now. And what's DeAndre Swift usually? Like 6,700? You know, like, like Jamal Williams isn't DeAndre Swift. Right. Like, I think if, like, if you just took the names, like, switched the names around on the, the Detroit running backs, like, if, if, um, if Jamal Williams was 4,700, we would think about, like, heavily about playing him, right? And, like, if that's what, like, Reynolds is priced at, maybe that's, maybe that's, I don't know. Like, I might be, like, for a single entry, smaller field, like, maybe it's, like, too cute. But I'm going to, I'm going to be looking at some rosters. Okay, I'm going to plug in Penny and Reynolds into my running back spots. Like then with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews (laughs) and see like what I can get at wide receiver. Um, Cause like I, the running backs are not putting up the scores so far this season that you have to have. So like at, at, you know, at 4,700 and 4,900, like I can miss somewhat, you know, and like, yeah, and he can split the carries. He's priced to be splitting the carries and he might not. Um, And that's going to be a high scoring game. You mentioned the Cleveland game and that's like, I think we should talk about the games, the overall like game environment this week. There are some interesting games um, because there's basically one game that's just jumping out at everybody and it's jumping out to me too, um, which is the Buffalo game, like Buffalo Baltimore. And like, I am not going to look to get underweight that game because it's got, a, you know, it's got two good offenses, explosive teams, explosive players. It's got the highest point total on the board. Then there's some other games like Cleveland. So I think it's Cleveland, Atlanta. Um, it's got like a surprisingly high total for me. Um, Seattle, Detroit. I mean, that that's a little bit less surprising, but the Cleveland Atlanta one is, is really surprising to me. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland, Atlanta, they're both top eight in offensive DVOA early in the season, both bottom eight in defensive DVOA early in the season. But what's interesting there is I think that a lot of the people are going to be like, oh, well, I can't pay all the way up to Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts because there's just not enough value this week. So I'll go down to Jacoby Brissett and Marcus Mariota. Like I think Marcus Mariota is going to be one of the highest owned players this week. And it's like, it feels good because it's a nice game total and all that. But both these teams are bottom five in pass rate over expectation. Both these teams want to run the ball and neither of these teams are in a matchup where they're going to be prevented from running the ball. And so that's why I like Cordero Patterson is because he's leverage off of Mariota and he's the way that Atlanta is going to try to win this game. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that we have to look at these, these game totals through the right lens, right? We always say like every game total, every 47 point game total is different from other 47 point game totals. Sometimes it's like 47 points, but the range of, of scoring on either side of that is broad and they, they could have like 65, 70 points in this 47 point game total. But this is the type of game total where, yeah, 50% of the time it goes over, 50% of the time it goes under. But when it goes over, it's rarely going for like 60 plus points. It's going to go for 53. It's going to go for 55. And so this kind of points us toward like, yeah, do we really want to overthink this top game? I love love what you said about 
like you're not going to be underweight on on that game because there's such a tendency. I think what makes a good DFS player a lot of times is if your natural tendency is to like assume that everyone's wrong and just be like contrarian, right? And I've often said that it takes me longer to come up with simple solutions than it does with difficult solutions because I always go to like more difficult solutions to something first. And sometimes my wife will be like, or we could just do this. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's that makes sense. And that's what makes a good DFS player, right? As we think differently, but then you also have to say, oh, I don't want to overthink this spot that's good. I don't want to just be contrarian to be contrarian. Load up on this game and then be different in other spots. And that's kind of like, I'm, I'm going to have Josh Allen on my main roster this week. I'm going to have exposure to that game. And if I'm not going to that game, I'm going to go to Jalen Hurts. And if I'm not going there, uh, I'm going to go to Russell Wilson and the Broncos because it's it's he's coming in under 1% ownership in most projections right now. And is he going to hit more than once every 100 games in this spot? Yeah, like eventually this offense will figure it out. It probably won't be this week, but there's a better than 1% chance that it'll be this week. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, like the cheaper quarterbacks, I think they're fine but that's just not where I want to go on a week like this. And I think if the slate sets up very interestingly, like when you look at things through that lens. Yeah. So there's, there's a question on the road to grinders expert survey this week, um, every week. That's what game do you think is most likely to go over its projected point total? And that's a good spot where people kind of put in their, their sleeper game, right? Like their game that's got like a 40 something point total, 44 point total, but they think it could be much higher. My answer to that question this week, was the Buffalo Baltimore game. Like it's got the highest point total on the board, but I think it it could go over significantly. Um, and it's a good contrast to get to that Cleveland Atlanta game where it's the point totals aren't that different, but like I would be really surprised to see Cleveland Atlanta go way, way over its point total because both teams are gonna try to run the ball, I think. Um, and it's actually Nick Chubb, I think, is an interesting play this week. Yep. I think you you guys you know, I mentioned him on one week season to see like it's a guy you want to see what the ownership is at. Because he's someone a lot of people could gravitate towards high point total game. He's going to be getting, you know, we know he's going to be getting a lot of the work. Um, but I think now with like Khalil Herbert and Jamal Williams, like he might end up with pretty low ownership. And like, so if you're not spending up a quarterback, maybe that's what you want to do is, you know, is be going towards um, somebody like Nick Chubb that could see a monster game. Um, it's, it's interesting. You, you mentioned like, DFS hasn't been growing a lot over the last few years. So a lot of people have the same mindset. Like a lot of the people we're entering tournaments against have this a similar mindset that they've had the last few years. And I think the quarterback might be a spot like that where we're used to looking for value quarterbacks. Yeah. The guys priced at like 5,800, you know, 5,600 on DraftKings where it's like, oh, they, but they've got a great matchup this week. They could throw, throw for 300 yards. But I feel like the way the NFL is evolving like the points we used to see running backs get are now just going to the quarterbacks in some situations. And like, we don't want to play Devin Singletary because Josh Allen's going to get those points now. And like the way, the way the quarterbacks play, like, like we're not, when was the last time anybody's playing like a Baltimore running back? Like, you know, you just Lamar Jackson is getting all of those points. He's, he's putting up, you know, 80, 80 yards rushing a game with a touchdown. Like that's, He's getting those points and the points that the quarterback gets, you know, throwing multiple touchdown passes. Like he should be 8,300. He's outscoring every other player with DraftKings points by like five DraftKings points. I think the next closest guy is Josh Allen, who's about the same price as Jackson. I think they're both, you know, five points ahead of uh, of Diggs, who I think is the highest scoring skill player. Uh, 
so yeah, it's just another Lamar Jackson plug. <laughs> right. And, and the, uh, I think this is interesting. I mentioned this a couple times this week, but the most underpriced players in DFS are the high priced quarterbacks. And like when we came into week one, if you looked at player pricing against their 2021 production per game production, it was like Herbert, Mahomes, Josh Allen, those were the most underpriced players in week one against their per game production last year. And, and so we don't think of them as being underpriced because they're priced so high, but in terms of like what they provide on a point per dollar basis, now granted, you know, the cheaper quarterbacks are also going to be like by and large have better per dollar average than maybe like the mid range running backs or something, just because quarterbacks going to be more consistent scoring, but that just shows you like, where should you be thinking about allocating your salary? A lot of times, it's these high price quarterbacks and, you know, you pay for them and they get their 22 point game, their 24 point game. And it makes you feel like, well, why did I do that? But you do it because other weeks you're going to have the 40 point games that, you know, when, when, like, I love what you said last week about when Lamar Jackson had that 80 yard touchdown run, you were like, well, that's basically uh, Derek Carr throwing a 250 yard touchdown pass, right? Like Lamar Jackson got 14 points in that one play. And that would be, Derek Carr throwing a 250 yard touchdown pass. Like it just, it takes so much more for these other guys to get to 30 points than it does for this other guy to get to 40 points. And Josh Allen, especially because they're like, he really is their whole offense. You look at the game logs after the game. A lot of times it's like seven running back carries, eight running back carries. Every other play was Josh Allen centric. And if the bills have a good game, he's going to have a good game. Yeah. Like you mentioned Jacoby Brissett, like, you you couldn't pay me fifty five hundred to play. <laughs> play <Jacoby Brissett. laughs> like he, he's just not going to put up that monster game. And again, some of these guys that have even have found their way on my rosters, like Baker Mayfield, Mitch Trubisky. Like, well, they could you know I kind of talk myself into when I'm playing one hundred and fifty lineups. Well, you can you know Trubisky's got a lot of weapons. Like you know Baker Mayfield, maybe the situation just hasn't been right. Um, but like there's the offense just isn't going through them. Like no, it's going to be like Christian McCaffrey instead of Baker Mayfield. Um, like Mitch, it's going to be nobody with Pittsburgh possibly this season. Um, you know, but I mean, I guess that is an interesting situation. Like, I think actually that is like a game that I might have some interest in is Pittsburgh Jets. Um, cause I think the, like the range of possibilities is bigger, right? Like, um, yeah. we don't, cause uh, Zach Wilson's coming back. So we'll, we'll see there. Um, but I do, I, I think this is going to be a year to, to spend up at, at quarterback. And at wide receiver, you know, and it, like I, lo- I love what you said about the if you spend for these like Reynolds and Rashad Penny and they miss, like you can probably make up that production. You know, I was looking through rosters last week as I always do, and I saw that uh, Big T had spent like forty five hundred and forty five hundred for his running backs on on I think it was like his game changer roster last year. So it was like some single entry or three entry max, and it didn't just like paid up for all the wide receivers, right? And I think that that there's viability at this point to to doing stuff like that to saying let's not overvalue the running back position, you know? And, and as I I'll, I'll often talk about, like the NFL is always changing. We have to change with it. So it used to be pay down at running back. And then the NFL started developing these 90% workload running backs who caught passes and David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Christian McCaffrey, they did everything. So there's like pay up for running back and Levitan was calling it team jam a man. And it's like, well, now we do that. And, and now the NFL is like, why are we investing all this money in these running backs who keep getting hurt and don't last past the age of 26 now we're going to like split the workload in our backfield. And we're all still like, all right, 8,500 for our running back, 9K for our running back. And, you know, you got AJ Brown sitting over here with like a 
a 33% like team target market share and like at 7,400 and people aren't going over to him. Yeah. It's just, it's so interesting. Um, and it, being able to kind of shift our thinking when everything else is really just kind of like stays in one space gives us a definite edge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Um, we got to like evolve our thinking. I'm looking at tight end and it, it that's an interesting position because I, it does, it seems like the running quarterbacks are pairing with these pass catching tight ends. Like you've got, you know, Zach Ertz and Kyler Murray. I mean, Lamar Jackson and, and Mark Andrews are the, the first ones come to mind. Um, then it's, you know, Zach Ertz and, and Kyler Murray. Uh, Jalen Hurts has uh, Dallas Goddard. Like that's, I think Goddard's going to be a kind of criminally underowned this week. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about just alternating some of these running quarterbacks with like, with the other guys tight end, right? Like, so you can pair like, you know, Lamar Jackson, maybe play Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard lineup. Um, and maybe you're playing like, yeah. Or maybe uh, Josh Allen, you know, with the Zach Ertz or, or something like that. Um, you know, like even Mariota and Kyle Pitts, um, it just seems like, yeah, I, I don't know if there's uh, some kind of strategic NFL positional trend, but it does. It seems like these the running quarterbacks are pairing with the the tight ends as their favorite target. Yeah, and 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 like you said, with like the the Lamar and Mark Andrews thing, you cover two like we call them single entry spots, right? It's like two spots where everybody's only rostering one player. It's rare that somebody's rostering two tight ends, and everybody can only roster one quarterback and. And then we know tight end is a tough spot to fill. So if you get those two spots, like if you get a running back right, that doesn't like make your whole roster because you still have to get the other running backs and wide receivers and flex players right, right? There's so many other layers there. But if you get quarterback and tight end right, you're so far ahead of the field already. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that off the top of my head, I think it's random that these, that the quarterbacks are pairing with, the running quarterbacks are pairing with these tight ends right now but i mean it's definitely an interesting angle and i think that the even outside of that like just the players themselves and and somebody like dallas goddard right well all of the eagles pass catchers for some reason are are coming in with low ownership projections this week but like goddard hasn't hit yet and so people go to the people who have hit right like Cortland sutton's gonna have 5x the ownership of jerry judy this week because he's been hitting and judy's only hit once and it was way back in week one uh so i think dallas goddard's a guy who's gonna be like very under-owned compared to his ceiling. Uh, and you can pair him with Hertz or pair him with one of these other running quarterbacks. And yeah, it's, it's um, there's a lot of interesting ways to play around with things for sure. Yeah. Right, so just transitioning a little bit, there was one game I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on. So Arizona and, and Carolina, I was kind of shocked to see this total. And I kind of thought it might be a, a total we see move throughout the week, but it doesn't seem to be that way. I was like stunned to see Arizona with a 21 21- uh, 21 point implied, you know, implied point total. Um, I don't know. Like, do you, do, I thought that would be much higher. <laughs> like I, I thought Kyler Murray and I, I know they're like the running game hasn't gotten going. The, the receivers are all hurt. Uh, but I'm, I'm still just shocked that that, you know, that there I, are underdogs and that their point total is 21. I literally, um, I literally like never play the Arizona offense. <laughs> and it, it, like comes back to bite me way less than you would think. It was like, there was all the hype about the air raid, Cliff Kingsbury's first year. And then like three games in, I was like, this offense kind of sucks. And I'm confident. I was the first person to call it the the horizontal raid instead of the air raid. Now everybody calls it that. So maybe I wasn't the first one, but uh, there's like six or seven things like that where I'm like, 
pretty sure I was the first person to say that. And everyone stole that from me. But anyhow, the horizontal rate offense, it's just like I the upside, so rare that we see had to have it games from pass catchers. I say that one week after Marquise Brown had, you know, pretty close to a had to have it game on that slate. But it's so rare that we see had to have it games from pass catchers in this offense. And it's more like Kyler Murray or bust to me. But um, yeah, the game total is low, like really low for a, a Panthers defense that dedicates a lot of attention to taking away the pass, but doesn't necessarily have the talent to take away the pass. So I think that, you know, especially when you're talking about, hey, first place or nothing, right? And the thing, I think this is important too, right? When we talk about qualifiers versus tournaments, it still is a different conversation because in tournaments, for it's first place or nothing, right? But the payout might be like 50X for first place. And in a qualifier, the payout is like 70, I mean, not, not 70, it's like 500X with the value of the ticket a lot of times or like 200X, 300X, and then the upside for that million dollar finish, right? And so- like, and then first place is the only place where the money is. So I think in like a qualifier, Kyler Murray just continues to make sense because he can do it all and he can put up these monster games. In tournaments, it's like, do I need that risk where I'm on a low total game and I'm literally out of the money if he misses? Like, I don't think so. And I just, I don't like this. I've never liked this Arizona offense. And, you know, I took some James Conner last year just because of the touchdown upside, the way he was being used. But, um, yeah, it's a it's a surprisingly low total, but it's not one that I'm like, oh, this is way off. I don't think. Okay, yeah, it's it's interesting. I it seems to me like a game where I'm probably not going to go. I'm probably not going to go there in you know, like small field contests. But then if it blows yeah. up, I'm going to be angry at myself. I'm be like, oh, yeah. like I, why did we not see that coming? Like Kyler Murray, Christian McCaffrey, like obviously that game could go could go berserk, um, and. You know, I don't know why he had a four, you know, forty-three point total. Um, but you know, I also think one of your edges, like what makes you such a good DFS player, is knowing a little bit less about the NFL than I do, because that makes you a little bit more willing to be like, like Kyler Murray can hit, I'll play him. Yeah. Like I think, like I can't tell you, a Cubs fan who is kind of who's co-founder of OWS, and um, you know, he's got a Millie Maker win and and like twenty-five plus live final appearances, and and how often he'll text me and he hasn't, he didn't really play DFS much last year. He's getting back to it this year, but how often he's texted me over the years about like some player where I'm like, uh, no, that's not a good play. And then he plays them anyway. And they end up like popping off for the, the big game. Right. Because it's just that willingness to say, yeah, this guy can pop off for the big game. And that's harder for somebody like me to do, which is one of the reasons I tend to stick to like smaller field contests instead of ultra large field contests. Cause my knowledge gets in the way sometimes in, in ultra large field play. Yeah, I actually there's two things I try not to do. Like I, I don't follow college football because I don't want to know. Like I don't want to know like who people think are good coming into the NFL. Like I just want to I want to see what they do in the NFL first. Like I don't want to have like preconceived notions. And it's I didn't go to like Division One school, so it's easy for me to not just not follow college football. Um, and I don't play best ball because <laughs> I don't want to know the players in that in like that detail. Like I don't get really into the preseason because I don't want to know. I, I don't want to know who did well in the preseason. Like let them. Like, you know, let them do well in the NFL first and then I'll, then I'll play them. I just kind of want to see what I see. And there, there's like actual certain things about football knowledge that I, I try not to try not to know. Uh, you brought up like some interesting uh, things about like contest size. We actually got a question in the comments uh, a couple weeks ago and I, I forgot to address it last week. There's a question about how many single entry lineups is it good to make? Like if you're entering 
a variety of single entry contests. Like how many single entry lineups do you make? And I'll, I'll say for me, I actually make about five or six single entry lineups and I put them in across a variety of single entry contests. And a lot of times I'll try to have different quarterbacks, like it'll be different game stacks. And I, like this week, I might actually, I have like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson in those five like single entry lineups. And part of the reason I do that is just because uh, I'll play like the graphic qualifier, this five entry max will be at like $470 and um, have those be my five single entry lineups, but then I'll, and I'll play like some five max, some three max, and then I can just like cut and paste it all the way down into my, into my DraftKings file when I'm doing the lineups. And it's, it's actually like, I want to address that question for one thing to just say, it's actually like very logistical that like on, on FanDuel I'll tend to play six single entry lineups because they have leagues where you can enter three lineups. And also like I'll, I'll have like a multiple of three, right? So I'll have six, and I'll be entering all those lineups in different um, in different contests. I can just cut and paste it all the way down at one time in my FanDuel entry file. So like that'll have like might have a thousand lineups in it, you know, and entries in it for, for football on a Sunday. Um, how about you? Like how many like single entry lineups do you tend to do? I, I think you've said like in in one week season you tend to do like three or, or five lineups. Is that yeah, right? I think it's, I think it's super sharp because you are essentially able to play it as like a. Uh, like a limited entry player instead of a single entry player. It allows you like people want to do the all or nothing bets, right? They want to be like, if I'm right, I'm a hundred percent right on things. Whereas like realistically it's like a a few weeks ago, I had a a parlay that was set to bring back like 12.5 K in winnings, but the last leg had to hit and it was in the late game. And so I put down like, I needed the Matthew Stafford over on passing yards. And I put like 3,500 down in the Matthew Stafford under because you're like, I st- like now I know I'm winning regardless. And I think that there's a mindset where people want to be like, Oh, I, I hope Matthew Stafford hits. Right. And I can get all the money. And I'm like, yeah, I'm lowering what I get if I'm right, but also I'm getting money back if I'm wrong. And I think that the same thing with like being able to spread things out in across multiple single entries with multiple rosters kind of allows you to mix and match things and be on combos that other people might not be as willing to be on. Then I also think that by size, it matters, right? Like the, Single entry roster I'm going to put in a 200 entry tournament is different than the roster I'm going to put in a 5,000 entry single entry tournament. And so I kind of like to vary things in in that regard as well in terms of like 5,000 entries and above is like a different category for me than like a 1,000 entry or, or 500 entry, 200 entry, single entry. And, and you can kind of play those just a little bit differently. You still want to embrace risk and upside and all that, but uh, you can do things just a little bit differently there. Yeah, and I think it... Like the, the mindset I go with, why well, I want to play like, no, about five or six, generally five rosters on DraftKings, six on, on FanDuel, just for logistic reasons only, the contest that I enter specifically on those sites. But it gives me some margin of error with ownership, where if I go from a mindset, like I definitely want to have like a different quarterback, you know, or maybe even a different game on each of these rosters. Like I don't necessarily, like if one of the quarterbacks gets outsized ownership, because that's the guy that's in cash games that, that week, like I could end up being like way off on my ownership projections or, you know, my mental ownership projections for that contest um, gives me a little bit of a, a margin of error where like I might be entering a quarterback that um, is dramatically under owned for that contest. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's so sharp. I think it's smart to kind of be able to vary, like have that willingness to vary things and also not, not think you have to be all the way right or all the way wrong on things kind of frees you up to a few things a little bit differently as well. Yeah. All right. So any final thoughts about wraps it up? Uh, 
Yeah, no, no thoughts for me. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Scott Barrett, who kind of pumps up this this show to his audience every week. It's become uh, his favorite watch. So shout out to Scott. Uh, thanks for watching. And um, I think I think I don't think that this show's really like caught caught fire yet in the viewing audience. So uh, we'll we'll keep it a secret for a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, fun to hang out with you every week. I love talking about the single entry stuff. It sharpens my mindset heading into the weekend. So really appreciate this time. Oh yeah, yeah, me as well. And. Uh, you know, for the listeners, you feel free to, to leave any questions in the YouTube comments or reach out to us on Twitter, and I'll be sure to address the question a couple weeks later when I remember when I remember it. <laughs> yeah, All right. That'll do it for a solo ship. Um, yeah, Jam, have a good week. Uh, good luck this weekend. All right. See you guys at the top of the leaderboards.